Welcome back to your favorite G.I. Joe podcast show, getting ready for the season of Halloween in a timely-ish fashion. Can you believe it? Oh my! This God. is Knowing is Half the Podcast, and I am Ray Stacanus. I am Robert Clark Chan, and I am doing the scheduling this time around. So we've got stuff lined up. We know what episodes we're doing. Like we're going out a couple months, even. Oh my goodness, it's just it's magical. How no, 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 no. Before we even get to TV's Gene Ippolito, let me just say Robert Clark Chan is starting a new job and he has a lot of freedom at home right now, so he's doing like three months worth of scheduling all at once before he gets started because then it ends again and we go back to our normal slovenly ways. Fair enough. And let me tell you, I can do a good spreadsheet, like a like a nice spreadsheet. Look at you. Unlike the other people on this show who don't even know what a spreadsheet is, Thank don't you. know how it makes their lives easier, Thank don't want you. to use calendar invites, just real pieces of crap, let me tell you. Nobody else here likes calendar invites, Chan. We've told you this over and over yeah, again. I know. I hate you guys. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm Gina Polito, and I think we, aren't we usually pretty timely with the holiday episodes? Because it's truly the only thing I look forward to. Well... We just did a Christmas episode <laughs> just like yeah, two that, weeks ago. That or whatever. happened to come up, though, organically because it's it true. went viral on Twitter. Yeah. But then then this was a thing. I discovered this right in like ra- in, in some random list of weird holiday episodes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then it turns out that there is like a whole series of these yeah. for every holiday. And I'm mm. excited because I thought this was weird and I kind of liked it. But then I ultimately got bored. It's uh, okay. My, my first feeling, why don't you announce what this is, Ray? And then we can chat a little bit about it. What we watched was something called the crown of bog from 1981. It was a showtime special fully with puppets and live action actors, but primarily think of it like a fraggle rock esque mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. with a strong flavor of, uh, I was going to say Sesame street, I think Sesame Street and Muppet Show to the point where it almost felt like a ripoff, but not quite. You know, I agree that because like this whole opening reminded me of Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Because it's just they're underground. They're underground. And at some point they go to the human world. Like Mm -hmm. it it hit a lot of the same Fraggle Rock tropes. This to me was a little bit like they they tried some. I don't know. It was a little bit tongue in cheek. And I kind of liked it. Well, the interesting thing is that this came before Fraggle Rock. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're thinking of like the Paul Fusco ripped it off, like he was there before they were. Interesting. And Paul Fusco, who created this thing, you will probably recognize. Yes. You're 120 years old. Yes. One of my favorite shows of the 1980s. Creator of ALF. ALF. He is ALF. Everyone knows ALF except for Ray's, probably Ray's one coworker. (laughs) (laughs) He's, wow. I have a new job, Gene. I don't I'm, even work there anymore, and he wasn't even my coworker <laughs> when I was doing it. That's how I'm going to refer to him. That's <laughs> how I'm going to refer to him until the uh, end of time. Forever after. Yeah, I watched the crap out to of To be Alf. fair, there's probably a high percentage of my new coworkers that do not know what ALF is either. So that's probably a fair point. Well, here's the thing. If you go looking on the ALF Wikipedia, ALF still shows up on a... I'm not going to call it regular or even semi-regular basis because it's like every couple of years they'll show up someplace weird like friggin' Good Morning America or something. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's in the zeitgeist, but he pops up and, uh, you know. I get a targeted ALF ad once every few months. <laughs> For what? Until this episode drops. For, like t-shirts and stuff like that. And, and Oh my God. Yeah, like, you know, there's a site called 80stees.com. I think oh, it yeah. is. Oh, okay, that, they that always send me the same. So, and I've like been tempted to buy it many times because I still own... I still own an ALF stuffed puppet that you you could put your hand in his mouth and talk. Uh, oh. He's a, he's just a little, he's a little raggedy, but he's he's in my bedroom at home in New Jersey. Gene, I got bad news for you. That's um that was a cat. <laughs> wow, wow. Let it go. Time to let it go. So yeah, like the strongest vibe I got was um there's a kind of puppet style that I think of. 
when I think of like the Muppet show and it's just mm-hmm. sort of like the puppets are being very New Yorky. Yeah, it's very New Yorky. And they're real back talky and like, hey, and they'll say little things like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Which is something that's, yeah, it feels very Henson because most other puppets were, they're still doing their like Mr. Rogers kind of thing or like very children, childlike <laughs> to the point where, um, what was that, uh, a Wonder Shows and could still parody yeah. that because that was. 98% of all puppet stuff. Yeah, puppet stuff was at that point was very presentational. Yeah. And these guys tried to be more of a co- conversational style, which was weird. The line deliveries on this show were weird. It was a weird experience. I felt unnerved most of the time watching it. Well, here's the thing. Once you realize what they're doing, you realize that in fact, not only this, but also the entirety of ALF is just basically warmed over Statler and Waldorf. Yes. I was going to say, this whole show is like if every character was Statler and Waldorf. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is... But that's kind of why I, I kind of dug it. I did not hate it. Like I said, I ended up halfway through thinking this should be about eight minutes shorter than it is. Yeah. Yes. But I like those little New York Italian and Jewish puppets that are sort of tired <laughs> of their lives in the neighborhood <laughs> and picking up deli sandwiches. That's what I imagine they do. It felt like an episode of The Muppet Show that was just sort of like, if a Muppet Show were all Statler and Waldorf, you'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ, let this thing be over. When there's just like a little bit of them, you're like, yes, they're the best thing ever. And this just sort of drags out a little bit long, which, I mean, I'm not going to say that Alf got dragged out a little long, but they did 102 episodes, (laughs) plus 26 of the uh, animated series after that, plus 21 of a second animated series after that. Yeah, Alf Tales. And again, he shows up on Blossom, on Love Boat, on the TV Land Awards, Hollywood Squares, Young Sheldon, Mr. Fucking Robot. Mr. Robot he was on. He was on Mr. Robot? I never watched the show, so I don't know the context. I watched season one. He was not on it. And I got bored to tears by that show and quit. Yeah, I watched season one and then half of season two and always intended to go back, but never did. Uh, you just missed him. He would have got you back in because it was season two. Oh, episode six. I, well, oh. now I have to go back and watch it. So close. You know, still not enough. Still not enough to get <laughs> me back in the door. This guy, Paul Fusco, basically, as far as according to Wikipedia, he basically never did anything else except Alf. So he must have just taken all that 80s TV cash and just, you know, yeah, back when you could you could make a living doing yeah. writing. That's for crazy because you can see sort of where Alf came from based on watching this, because this is obviously mm-hmm. a few years before he you know got Alf going. Yep. And it's just I have some, you know, some sound pulls from later, but just some of the line delivery. It was reminiscent to me of the animated movie Fritz the Cat. Mm-hmm. Famous for the it really, it's to be one of the defining 1970s movies. Yeah. And it's just that animation style. They're very body themes in that movie, but the way they have just regular New York style conversations that you wouldn't expect from animated characters, they did a very similar thing, not quite as dirty here, but it was so conversational. And nobody, there are no stakes, even when there are stakes, there are no stakes, there is no <laughs> getting excited. There is one tone for the entirety of the whole thing, and it is a below average energy. <laughs> I got to say, it, start, it starts out with sort of like a little bit of a creepy VO, and it gave me like dad reading a bedtime story vibes. Yeah. And I kind of dug it. Like it, it just sounded like, oh, this is a dad that's like pretty tired, but he's going to try at least <laughs> a little bit at bedtime, but it's not going to be like professional voiceover guy up in here yeah and i like i kind of dug it just because i feel like this guy probably wrote this and was like yeah fuck it i'll 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 record the vo myself (laughs) i i have a a not not a i have memories of hbo kind of around this time and to a lesser extent memories of showtime and the movie channel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of that era because they were sort of like the cheaper versions and uh, kind of like, like when Cinemax 
was sort of the uh, sleazy version of HBO. I don't know why you got Cinemax, Uh Uh (laughs) Chan. But like Showtime would have things that were like a little racier or a little bit like more HBO from early on was like going for prestige stuff. And Showtime was like, yeah, we'll show fucking exploding boobies or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, exploding boobies. That's really what they were known for. Yeah. They had stuff kind of like this too. Like they still wanted to like do family content and, you know, sort of like get all four quadrants to pay money to watch Showtime and their children's stuff kind of fell in this area where you could compare it to something like HBO and you can make a real straight across comparison to Fraggle Rock. Because like at the very beginning, the first thing you get are these two, like whatever you call those people, what are those fancy royal parties with like the Duke and Duchess of Vietnam on Fraggle Rock. There's Marjorie the Trash Heap, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She, she has these two rats, Philo and Gunge, who like, and the great trash heap is spoken. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the guys at the beginning of this thing. Like. 100% those are exactly the same characters. I enjoyed them. And uh, yeah, they're they're pretty fun. And like a lot of this stuff just feels like uh, just a slightly sleazier version of Fraggle Rock. <laughs> Even though it came Fraggle before. Fraggle Rock night. Yeah. Yeah. For, <laughs> after dark. Yeah, looking Fraggle. at the year, of course it came before, but it, do- it feels like it's a direct rip off of Fraggle Rock. <laughs> only to realize now the opposite is likely true. But also like a lot of that was just sort of like a hangover of the hippie era And then you got the 70s where people were just like, well, let's just fucking do cocaine. And then they sort of came around and were like, okay, well, we want to do family stuff, but we don't want to be just like old and boring like grandma's family stuff. So let's jazz it up a little. And that's like, boom, right in this pocket here. Yeah. I mean, look, so we open up. I honestly, I didn't I didn't know anything about anything walking in the door of this. I didn't know it was animated. I thought it was. So when it starts off live action, I was like, ooh. And then I said, and then I saw puppets. I went, ooh. <laughs> so we have a royal meeting to start off with. We're introduced to our two main characters, Milo, who is the prince, and Mildew, who is the king. We are here for the coronation. The prince will take on the role of king so that the king can retire. But we have immediately conflict, as the prince says, I don't think I can do this. And at first, it's like, he just wants to do something else. He's like, no, I just... That's a lot of responsibility, and I'm not sure up for the task, and it's a very pure reason I don't want to do it. I'm more of just feeling nervous. Of course, I'll still do it, but this is a lot of stress. And so it's going to be a royal hassle. I will say that there's not a lot in here that I actively hate. Yeah. Most of it, I'm just kind of like, fine. well, this is okay, or then I'll just like, okay, well, this is kind of going on a little too long. After watching this, I now hate this part oh, because- It has no bearing on the rest of the story? Yeah, they set it up like this is going to be the conflict. He's going to learn why responsibility is a valuable thing, whatever like that. Then, you know, these two evil, you know, melodramatic villains show up and then it's all about them. They don't even like spare a line at the end for like, you know what? I realize now after doing this that it is important to blah, 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 which is kind of feeds into my thing of like they were trying to do kid stuff, but not make it hokey like the grandma stuff. And so a lot of stuff just like didn't was in the format of a well there's a lesson here son and it's you know this and this and you got to be good and kind and they'll just take that part out so it's still (laughs) shaped like it but then you get to the end you're like what was the fucking message there was none there was none Uh, so it was kind of the worst of both worlds in that case yeah here's the thing in the end i was like well this was weird and misleading and also if they had peppered it throughout that like maybe the son wasn't trying so hard to get the magic crown back because mm-hmm. he's still unsure or whatever. But yeah, it really felt like filler and in a show that was 28 minutes at at a time when most shows were like 22 minutes. Yeah. Cut that out. Just, just have him be excited to take over the crown. And then these bad guys show up and foil his big day. Actually, now that you mention it. Yeah. I kind of wonder if, it wasn't written for 22 minutes and they're like, oh, we got six more minutes in. Uh, how about a thing where the kid doesn't really want to do the thing? Okay. Hey, we didn't resolve that. Ah, fuck it. We're at 28. Let's go home. Yeah. Or alternatively, it was even longer 
and they did tie it up. And then they said, we've got to cut something. Let's just cut the end of this. <laughs> but I will say this is some A plus puppeteering work. Like the, yeah. the, I mean, I mean, when you watch pretty much any puppets that aren't part of like Sesame Co and Muppets. Yeah. Like it's usually fine. I, I know someone who like worked on Captain EO, be, even though she was like an apprentice nice. puppeteer, because at the time everyone was like filming something with the Muppets. So they had to get <laughs> sort of the not quite puppeteers <laughs> puppeteering. <laughs> but this is like this, like the head movements, the way the puppets are paying attention to each other, the way they're sort of nodding and like reacting. This puppet work reminded me of the Muppets, which makes sense because if this guy is going on to have a whole career creating Alf, I'm sure he could recognize good puppet talent but but i appreciated this i appreciated that it didn't look like shitty puppeteering no and i hate i hate shitty puppeteering if you watch some of these like shows for real real little kids like i know me and chan do some of this puppeteering is fucking outrageous yeah Uh, it is it is so upsetting how nobody cares and so one hand will just sort of move and then the mouth barely moves it's upsetting yeah i agree with gina a thousand percent i feel bad because i do think that i basically compared them to Henson as opposed to every other uh, puppet thing, because you're right. Like they are better than just about any other puppet business out there, except for Henson, who, you know, is the pinnacle. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't be judging it that way. I I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was on a level with Henson. Um, I will say, I thought it was definitively a cut below, but definitely better than many other things I've seen. Yeah. Can we hear a little bit of this King song? Because the whole purpose of this conversation (laughs) was not to lead the plot or (laughs) deliver characterization. It was to lead us to this song they wrote about what it's like to be the king. And that's it. Which which I thought was very funny, actually. Maybe that's what it was. It was just like, we've got to get a song in there so that we can get that sweet, sweet cash whenever uh, the song gets replayed. Yeah. That's a crazy thing. The way they set it up, I thought there'd be like four or five songs in here. And I think this is like the only one. I mean, I love it. I love a, I love a fucking puppet one percenter song. (laughs) That's what this was. And it was, I think clearly tongue in cheek. See, I've heard you say that before. She says that a lot about people praising the rich, doesn't she? I'm pretty sure that Gina is just waiting to buy our houses uh, when we're <laughs> yeah. in foreclosure and kick us out on the streets. Gina's waiting for Newt Gingrich's next wife to get cancer. Here's the thing. <laughs> I won't I won't kick you out right away. Mm-hmm. I will raise your rent to an unreasonable degree. And then when you say you can't pay, I'll say, well, I mean, I tried. I tried to let you stay in there, but <laughs> if you can't pay, you can't pay. Yeah, I w- I, I, w- I wish this were a joke, but my heart is telling me. <laughs> no, it's about as real as it gets. You want a coffee break, but they won't let you rest. Just remember, when it comes down to everything else, it may be lonely, but on top is bad. In terms of lyrics, it's better than some things that we've watched. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. What was that? What was we watched recently with like a a king and a birdie? Was it the McDonald's? That one? was the McDonald's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Compared again, compared to McDonald's, this is pretty good. But also, yeah. McDonald's was absolute dog shit. But I, but I think that this is this is so funny to me that the kid is like, wow. There's like a lot of responsibility to be the king you've been a great king. I don't think I can do this. And then his dad is basically like, look, son, it's time you learned that the rest of the world is shit. (laughs) So if you're gonna live in a world of shit, you better hover at the top of that shit pile because the top is best. And I just thought uh, to me, that's such a funny, hilarious message on something that is, is masquerading as like a kid's show. I mean, just knowing how TV writers are, this had to be a joke. This had to be like on top is best. And he's talking about like how like it's hard down in the trenches with the common people. This to me is a very funny song. <laughs> well, we're now introduced to our two villains of this episode. Is it Van Dredd and Vandal? Did I? Or, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're a father and son. They are related to the Royal lineage and the son can make a challenge to the throne to prevent Milo from ascending the throne. 
So they bring out three wise guys who are literally just the Marx Brothers mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. as a puppet. And they were doing Marx. Like, I did some of these. I Do we have some of the audio just of the Marx Brothers, three wise men just talking? Three wise because guys. Because I don't know. That's why they're Italian. Musty, get her the book. That's no good. That's a hook. I said, book, a book. What's the matter with you? Hook him for the fudge. <laughs> ah, here it comes. That's it. The edge of the rule book of a bog. It's a big one. According to Hoyle. I love that joke because... You didn't get it. Hoyle had a book. Hoyle was a playing card producer. Playing board, card guy, yeah. And they had a huge book that was like, according to Hoyle, and it was like the rules for all the games. And as a kid, oh. like, uh, we used to go through this, like me and my mom, and like, you know, like find new card games to play and whatnot. So... Yeah, it was just like a, it was just like a, a just what one of many just like tiny jokes that was like, oh wait a minute, this isn't like a fantasy world. This is like a reference from our world that some people, you know, like when the genie starts going off and is doing an Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger impersonation when it's uh-huh, uh-huh. nine hundred AD or something like that. You know, you're like what what is going on here? You know, and I think this is what really got to me about just listening to it again. It's like listening to that second city <laughs> CD of sketches from like the 1980s. Yes. Yes. And there's a certain just stage presence delivery, a lot of pauses in between the lines where I guess you assume yeah. laughter is going to go. And it's just like listening to that CD and that second city book that literally every one of us owns. Yeah. This did feel, this did feel a little bit like an improv show. albeit one that I enjoyed. Like there are some funny like even when Prince Milo says, I don't think I want to be the king. His dad says, what did you get a better offer? And then he says like, look kid, you got hot and cold running slime, like yeah. trying to tell him how good it is. And those are, I mean, they're, it's, it, they're delivered in enough of a throwaway vibe that throwaway, clearly yeah. they're not thinking these are, these are a plus plus jokes, but it is good banter. Yeah. And it's good character work. Yeah. Like, this is a distinct character. And, you know, you could just have 12 characters that all basically sound the same and kind of act the same. So like, yeah, you know, at the, at the very base of it, great. Yeah, I, it's fine. Uh, they have to complete a royal task. The son does. So he says, get two eggs from the polypropa bird. And then the king's like, are, are you effing kidding me? That bird's extinct. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, all right, all right. We got, we got another one. Oh, yeah. I, I don't care how it smells. Just get me the. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. You know, that's a, that's a fun. I wrote, yeah. I wrote here that some of these jokes are not landing. No, I, I, <laughs> oh, no, I disagree. Yeah. From the rare polyplopper bird. Make it that two eggs. That's impossible. Polyplops are extinct. I don't care how they smell. You idiots. <laughs> you know what? It's not, not landing with me. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little uh, too much for the uh, vaudeville, but I, I thought that was great. Yeah, and, I yeah, enjoyed it. Straight up honking horn. Like just straight up, I didn't even realize there was a honking horn until you played it just now. That is so upsetting. <laughs> so they have to return the crown of bog to the kingdom, and the, the bog it's on the surface. It's in a museum, and the king says one stipulation: I want to go with my son uh-huh. because this is important, and I want to be there with him. And they're like, "Do it!" And then, amazingly, and I need a sound poll for this because the. The villain characters are like, all right, they're going to go. We're going to get them. All right. Ah, we're going to go. We're going to make sure they don't get the crown. <laughs> and then they leave in a puff of smoke. And there's just audible booing from the other puppets on stage. Mm-hmm. And it just, that one hit me good. Like, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> Come, Vandal. Let us leave this place. Besides, we have some work to do. <laughs> And it's half-hearted booing. It's just the best <laughs> kind of everything hitting me right in there. Okay, I, hold here's on. The, yeah. That's my favorite moment of the entire thing. Hold on. Right now. The, it's not half-hearted booing. It's just that there's two people doing the booing, and the rest <laughs> of the people are doing hissing, which doesn't come across well. On a stage. A, on a stage with shitty miking. My God, the number of times. Shitty miking. Oh, my God. To just like an empty room with like a piece of crap mic just somewhere in the room not near the people speaking no it just sounds like a cave the number of peas that got popped in the audio of this thing was <laughs> as an audio person was driving me fucking bananas 
I was getting so mad. It did. It sounded very echoey, which for some reason sort of added to its its weird charm for me. I, you know what? I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't normally it would t- I would just be like, oh my god, the quality of this sucks. But since it sounds like a dude, I mean, this whole thing to me is is like a dude, albeit a funny, talented dude, was like, you know what? I kind of want to sell a show. So I'm just going to go in my closet and make that show and hope someone buys it. <laughs> and I, then he just like recorded a bunch of dialogue and then like went into his basement and put up a bunch of like little kids toys and made some puppets <laughs> and presented it to a network. And they were like, yeah, all right, we'll buy this as is. And he's like, you sure you don't want to re-record anything? I mean, I, I did most of that audio like in my closet. It's very echoey. That's the thing is I know ADR existed in 1981. Uh, you know what? Given the, that for a long time, before I looked up after we watched it and was like, oh, right, Paul Fusco, Alf, I thought it was like an Italian production or something oh. because Whoa. the humans were so out of sync with their voices. I was like, oh, oh we just dubbed boy, boy. from something else. That's fine. Oh. But no, it's just no. real, real bad. It's real bad. So we get to the outside world. We'll get to more. We'll get to the humans in just a little bit because I got some thoughts on these actors. (laughs) Oh boy, the bad guys are going to set traps. They set mylar traps, which I don't know what that means. I thought he said mylar, as in like the kind of plastic. And I was like, yeah, mylar. But I think I think Ray might be right, and they just like keep adding letters to the ends of things to form sort of new magical sounding words because mylar (laughs) makes no sense. Yeah. Well, they also say that some humans are ucky, and I'm like, I'm right there with you, bro. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were gonna say they said some humans are ucky, and I was like, I'm right here, you guys. Stop talking about. Well, oh my god, okay, real quick, minute. real quick. I just I, I googled mylar traps because I'm like, okay, maybe there's something from the 70s as like a oh, specific no. reference or something like that. Whatever. Urban Dictionary pops up oh, no. using packaging that appears to be from a brand or company to increase the profit margin of cannabis sales. So, no. No. No, don't think so. No. I thought for a second we were going to go dirty because you said Urban Dictionary, but thankfully. Sometimes it's just about weed. Sometimes. Gina, please, not every one of my jokes has to be self depreciating. It's deprecating. Just a solid 75%, but the other 25% are how great I am to really throw you off. That's how, that's how we do. Boo hiss. So our heroes go through the graveyard. Uh, the traps don't go off. We have a great slapstick moment. I used the word great with quotation marks where the, uh, the, the son vandal accidentally springs the trap, which causes every tombstone to like knock the next one over like a domino yeah. resulting in his father getting clonked in the head with a tombstone, which yeah. if that was the end result of the trap anyway, this was a v- <coughs> very shitty trap. Yeah. And let me just say this, this kid would make a terrible King. This is like, it's terrible. It, this is like if Donald Trump ran for president and actually won, like it, there's no way this would ever happen. It's too insane. No, obviously though, to be Roger. fair, you know, I Milo not- would also be a shit King. Hey, he he just needs to get some confidence. It sounds like his dad yeah, is a great king. So it's it seems like as long as as long as his dad isn't like imminently dying, he'll give him some coaching. He just needs some confidence. But it's, at least he's a he's a kind hearted individual. It seems. Mm. I'm watching House of the Dragon, and uh-huh, the heir same. to the, the, the apparent one of the heirs to the throne is a what looks to be about a 13 year old long blonde haired boy <laughs> yep. who stands in his window of his bedroom and jerks off into the crowds. Yep. Yeah. And I, he'd make a better king. My, uh, I think he'd make a better king than uh, Vandal would. That's all I'm I, trying to say. Wait, so you did not watch the original Game of Thrones, huh? I mean, he's not Joffrey level. I watched the entire Game of Thrones. No one ever jerked off in a window. No, no, before. but I mean, you don't know who any of these characters actually like turn out to be in the lineage, right? Oh, oh, yeah. No, I don't know. Oh, I have a, okay, I have a general idea, but I don't have the the nuance of who is what and where. I'm just watching it just to enjoy it. Like Got the it. Targaryens, like there's a bunch of bad ones in there. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Ex- exactly. That that they then talk about in Game of Thrones of like, well, this one is this, and this one is that. But and then very, yeah. the, the boy jerk off king is that? Yeah, one? yeah. Oh, that one. He used to it's fill just, the streets with cum. Look, it's a fantastic because. 
They, they cut real quick, Chad. They cut over. <laughs> the scene opens with him naked in the window, just beaten off. I, yeah. I, I assume to just like spooge it everywhere onto the streets below as mm-hmm. everyone is looking at him from a very high window. And then his mom walks in the room and he's just sitting there fucking rocking it still. And she's like, ahem. He's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, she's see she's there. seen worse. It's fucking weird. Her husband doesn't even have her husband's slowly <laughs> rotting and shit is falling off of him. So I think she can handle. I appreciate the reality of that moment, though, because even though he's doing something like way over the line, as soon as his mom comes in, he does what every 12 year old boy does. Uh-huh. Just, he hides under a blanket. Dart, dart under, cover up the, <laughs> yeah. the naughty bit to be like, what? What's going on? Nothing. I was just hanging out here, you know, just whew, getting well, some air. But what? what's going on with you? Huh? Is everything cool? Want some, uh, his mom could not be clearer that he she does not give a fuck that he's jerking <laughs> off in the window yeah yeah I, because so because she has a bigger concern which is did you just try and murder your brother <laughs> yes you yeah. probably shouldn't be doing that yeah. mm-hmm. should also not be bullying your younger brother who seems perfectly nice he's a sensitive one i will say that my favorite thing about house of the dragon which i just found out last night is called house of the dragon and not House of Dragons, yes. which is what I've been calling it this whole time, is oh. that... No, you're fine. You're fine. That kid, that 12-year-old jerk-off king, is the son of the 10th Doctor, grandson of the 5th Doctor, uh-huh. and he is about to get into a war with the 11th Doctor, uh-huh. and that makes me very happy. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Does nepotism exist over in England, too? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. If you looked at 10,000 white dudes told him to like, uh, go up, uh, go stand up there on the table and uh, pull down your pants, pretend to be jerking off uh, mm-hmm. over to a crowd of people. I guarantee you that that kid would have been the best. You say pretend. I'm not convinced he was pretending. I'll just start there. The showrunners are American, so nepotism mm. always exists with Americans. Mm. There it is. There it is. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Here's the Cobra Swamp Fire aborted our Zartan sisters Zarana and their brother Xandar. Swamp Cobra changes color in bright sunlight. Takes to the air to continue the fight. And now you're looking at the Dreadnoughts Thunder Machine. Dreadnoughts Thunder Machine. Meanest machine you've ever seen. And it's out again, G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Live the adventure of G.I. Joe. Cobra Swamp Fire and Dreadnoughts Thunder Machine with drivers sold separately. Joe, Joe. Back to G.I. Joe. Okay, let's talk about, we got to talk about this scene here. There's a Halloween party at the museum, which literally just looks like the living room of someone's house. Uh Before we get there, we have a scene with our two heroes, Milo and Mildew. And they say, this is the one day it's Halloween, All Hallows Uh Eve. It's the one day we can walk around and nobody thinks shit. And so they have four children in costumes who are out (laughs) trick-or-treating who are about to go to the museum to go to the party. They invite them to come along and say, you should go there. And can we just hear a little bit of this dialogue of these, this child acting? Cause these kids are old enough that they, well, you'll hear it. Oh, why don't you come with us? We just have one more stop and then we're going to the party. Oh, oh, no, no, we don't do it for primitive customs. Oh, oh, we just want to know where the museum is. Yeah. You sign on the tree, just follow it and I'll lead you right where you want to go <laughs> yeah yes. that is 100 someone's kid that's these these are and this is like the first time like these kids are in in a very late 70s early 80s way these kids are just so weird like when they go up their costumes are weird the kids themselves like i feel like i'm watching a home video and it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> i will say that Watching Sesame Street, there is this kid on the show, this human kid, who's about two years ago, I think. Her name is Charlie. She started on the show, and I was like, oh, well, this is this is kind of interesting. She's clearly like a child actor, because like she's nailing her line. She's got this, you know, presence, you know, for like a four-year-old or whatever, and just like really belting it out there. I'm like, okay, this, this is a cute kid. Like, I get it. I like it. Uh, I want to see more of her. My partner was like, what is this bullshit? And was furious, mm. continues to be furious. We haven't watched Sesame Street in a while because our kid isn't into it anymore. But still, we'll bring up Charlie 
as just the just thing, this dark stain on the history of Children's <laughs> Television Workshop because they believe that child actors on Sesame Street should be completely untrained and should just be wandering around doing exactly that because back in the 60s and 70s, Sesame Street established that you have kids who just don't know what the fuck they're doing and just go like, hey, which way to the store? Oh, thank you, giant blue monster. I'll go there now. That's what these kids are. And they're absolutely exactly what they're supposed to be for this kind of show at this time. Okay. I hate it. <laughs> I I thought that Olivia Benson's son, Noah, on the TV show Law & Order SVU mm. was flat out the worst child actor I'd ever seen in the history of moving pictures, quite mm -hmm. honestly. And I will say right now that Noah from SVU looks like Kenneth fucking Brana compared to the children in this special. Yeah. I've I'll never been more upset watching child actors, and I don't <laughs> like child actors. This is some of the most abysmal child act. Did they even get directed? Did they, did they, were they even given a script? Or they just sort of told to just wing it? Because some of these kids can barely get words out of their mouths. And I am not here for it. I did not care for this. To be fair, they're barely in this. Yeah. They say maybe Good. two lines and then that's it. But there's another human coming up soon. There is. Oh, we'll talk. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes, there is. I will say that this too feels like uh, something that might have been truncated. Like there may have been an entire segment where they actually do go with them and explore this idea of Halloween. And they, you know, there's jokes where, you know, they get candy and like, what is this? Yeah. And that it got cut out. And so all you have left is like, hey, why don't you come up with us? Uh, no, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's like that Indiana Jones gun versus sword <laughs> battle. Maybe. Yeah. But instead of it, one of the, instead of Paul Fusco having explosive diarrhea, he just realized these kids were fucking terrible. And so he just <laughs> says, no. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, this, this was at a time where kids being bullies was still a thing in media. So like normally the new kids in school would be like, Hey, can I sit with you guys? And it'd be like, no nerd. And this is the opposite. This is like to what they think our kids are like, Hey, point us to the museum. And the kids are like, Oh, why don't you join our merry group friends? Come with us to the museum and, and we'll all get candy together. And they're like, fuck no, just tell us where it is. <laughs> and I, I thought it was funny. <laughs> Honestly, the fact that they got denied was unmistakably hilarious. Um, but we'll get past the kids because I need to. Allegedly, more traps are happening, but we see our heroes walking through, like, I don't know, a dark, straight area because that's the best place puppets could walk. And they're chased by their villains who are pretending to be like a branch or something. And I don't really get it, but like it goes on way too long and is not interesting. So let's just keep on moving. Those are a sign that says museum this way. They turn the arrow so yeah. the other way. And so then, yeah, they're going off into the woods and they're wearing camouflage. But they still end up at the museum. Yes, eventually, yes. After their trap, which is a giant Acme fucking yeah. rocket, <laughs> like a Wiley Coyote style rocket. Mm -hmm. They're going to. Oh, excuse me. Yes. Blow them up. Yes. God damn it. So can we get, I just need a sound pull again for the line delivery when he's talking about his knees shaking. Cause it just struck me just how stilted and uncomfortable these line deliveries made me during this entire thing. Hilarious. I think I heard something back there in the woods. Could be my teeth and knees shaking. <laughs> that's that's fine just yeah i think it's fine that delivery is terrible <laughs> like i understand that they're being understated in everything and that's the gimmick that we're going for here but there is just no urgency and it's i don't know i just don't believe them and i know that they're puppets i just don't believe their reality <laughs> i i'm it's like it's like every bill murray movie i just don't believe he's actually in danger because he doesn't seem to give a shit and that's i mean that honestly is also part of the the times like bill murray is practically the pinnacle of american comedy which is very laid back and sure. i don't give a fuck whatever man he's like he's, this is yeah he's caddyshack in a uh puppet form that's you know well that's what it is it's the selling point of ghostbusters is just he's he's low stakes no matter how high the stakes are he does not give a shit and he's taking he, and, and i love him for it and i love him and i love his movies and don't get me wrong it's just, 
at a certain point, it's when everyone's doing it. I think when he's the only one doing it, it makes it hilarious. When everyone's doing it, I get taken out of the moment. And I know I'm talking about the Crown of Bog, 1981 Showtime Kids <laughs> Puppet Special. Hey, and I know how ridiculous that must sound. Someone loves this this special enough that they created a Facebook group. Uh, like uh, calling it this, yes. uh, this underrated classic that should be shown at like every holiday. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, we, we have to, they'll be very excited that we did this podcast. If Chan remembers to social media, it up. that's like the YouTube video that I watched this on only had like 4,000 views. So, I mean, they're much like this show, a small audience, it's, but a very rabid one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. Oh yeah. Then, then the big trap, they, they set up a giant, like, Acme rocket, like Chan said. They light the fuse, and then the dad, the evil dad, Vandred, uh, stands in front of it. So it blows him up. And that's... And by that, at that point, uh, Mildew and Milo just walked away anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just... Yeah, fine. That's fine. <laughs> and he's replaced by some, like, smoking, like, tar black yes. puppet. He's been singed to death. 100% Wiley Coyote. Yeah, it was. I mean, there's the deal. That bit was. I mean, I'm like, I looked at it. I was like, ah, yeah, okay. That's what you should do there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how that bit works. Look, <laughs> I'm just saying that a lot of the jokes just didn't necessarily land with me, is all I'm trying to say. Although I understood what they were doing. They're pitched right um, at your level. Don't pretend you're too highbrow for this, sir. I can't believe I'm too highbrow for this. This is upsetting. <laughs> I'm the lowest brow here. Here's the thing. You just recognize it as in the same way that standups will recognize a well-crafted joke, you know, when they're standing watching a show and instead of laughing, they'll be like, that was funny. <laughs> so all you got to yeah, do, okay. here, man, is just sit there and go, that was funny. And we can just move on. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's get to the big act three moment. Yep, yep. Uh, we're at the party now in this museum that again, looks, looks just like someone's like living room or something. Yes. It's uh-huh, not, uh-huh. It, this is not a museum. I've been to museums. This look, is not what a museum you know looks how, like. Do you know how big a budget it is? If you're going to write a museum into something, that's crazy. Yeah. This isn't fucking a Ben Stewart vehicle. No, the thing is to make it more like a museum. Oh, so you're a set deck now. Are you a set deck? You, you would taking, just put less you, things you're taking in jobs it. as a set deck. <laughs> That's still a point. Museums are sparse and empty, so you would actually do less work to make it look better. That's my problem with it. Listen, Ray. They put too much shit in there. There's good reason to be pissed about this, and it's not (laughs) what the museum looks like. It's the fact that they're having some sort of party here at the museum, obviously some sort of fundraising endeavor, or or actually rather just something for the kids. Yeah, for Halloween. I'd say just kids. There's kids who don't have money, so that can't be true. They... So they get a few more requests and it's like, okay, help me filling, help me fill the rest of these cups of punch. We're about to close. Why are you still filling up punch? If you're about to close, you tell them to get the fuck out. No, you hand out the last of the punch. You don't want to take that punch home. You drink it there. You drink it there because you're sad (laughs) having a kid's party at a fucking museum. No way. You... It's 1981. There are psychedelics in that punch. I'm just going to tell you right now. You just pour some whiskey in and have your own party. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're told not to. Uh, uh, Milo and uh, Mildew find the crown under a glass display. They go to touch it and they are told not to touch it. Turns out that we find out there's a curse. There's a magic spell on the crown. And the idea is whoever has the crown makes you what was invincible. They could not be hurt. They could not be hurt in any way. And they said, well, that sounds great. Why do we not have it anymore? And they go, well, Donald Trump got it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's basically what they said years early that it, before it happened. They were basically like, you know, a very bad person took control of it. And this is not an item that you want in the hands of a very bad person who's in charge. And it made a lot of sense to me. This is why we cannot kill the filibuster. We must keep it at all stakes. My name is Joe Manchin, and I want your vote. <laughs> yeah, the, I. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't get a name for the lady who works at the museum, who assumes that they are wearing amazing masks. And not only is she, her name is Doctor Wallman. Doctor Wallman. Lawman. Yes. Wallman. Oh. Doctor Wallman. Doctor Wallman. A few more guests have arrived. You're welcome. Great. She's so taken by these masks that she 
she leaves her duties being a chaperone of the party to find ancient scrolls that are just laying about apparently mm-hmm. and finds out that these are actually the, the the bog creatures and it's so crazy i have to talk to those kids those masks look just like this thing i remembered from an ancient scroll written in another language that i that is falling apart that we also have at the museum that I can't stop thinking about. Yo, this one tracks, of the most contrived plot points no, I've this, ever heard. This tracks me. If you work at a museum and someone is like, oh yeah, there's this display that no one really knows where it comes from, you're going to memorize every part of that scroll because working at a museum is slow work and she probably spent some nights like looking over that thing and being like, this is fascinating. It's not in Dude, any language I recognize. Nights. If you're a freaking archaeologist and you got some like ancient scrolls that need deciphering, hells yeah, you're going to be all over yeah. that. Although, as it turns out, the deciphering is not that complex. So these people were not very not good at all. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's a very, it's a, it's the most basic but to a little kid who like this show is clearly made for they're they're not going to have like fucking Alan Turing level things to crack well i thought they were just going to be like oh right that's boganese i can speak that cuz i'm from fucking bog but they had this additional yeah. layer of like oh it's in code which then insinuates that it's code from english so somebody made a code that was weird to uh, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, this is probably from the bog, bog people. English, yeah. At some point, the the bog, the bog, and the surface at some point were one back in the day. I see. Yeah, that's that's. Oh, but also because all the bog people speak English now, nobody speaks Boganese anymore. The kid only knows it because he had to take it for high school. Yeah, yeah, which was kind of funny. That track. I mean, yeah, that track. yeah. He funny. said, I, I "What did he say?" He said, "I had to take it for. I took seven years of it in school. <laughs> five that, years in school. That was yeah. Five years of it. Yeah." <laughs> Uh, here we go. So we have a big old fight. Oh no! Before that happens, uh, we didn't get the part where like like she she tracks him down and says like you know hey where did you get those masks? It's crazy because it looks exactly like this. Holy shit! You're not uh, kids on Halloween. You're fucking real. And she faints. She just faints. She faints away. right there on the t- floor. Um, can we get can we get some of her line delivery? Because you know, as I said, the child actors were not very good. Uh, Miss Wallman. Uh, Dr. Wallman, excuse me. How dare you, uh, sir? Might, might, be, might be worse. Uh, um, uh, you see, we, were, we didn't... I'm wa- sorry. It's just that you mustn't touch the display. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, look. I came over here because I wanted to ask you about your masks. You know, they're, they're really very fascinating. Did you know that they were almost exact replicas of the creatures that are illustrated here? Hey, what a handsome devil. You know, that looks just like Uncle Pumice. I love that she's got that. What is that called? It's like an Atlantic accent that like Frasier has that they used to do. in Oh, movies. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's weird. It's just, again, like everybody else in this show, it's very stilted. It's just not, I don't know who she is in relation to anybody else. Uh, maybe, maybe she was the best one who auditioned. I don't know, but I... I did not care for this performance. <laughs> I mean, I know that you're performing for children and it's it's a different type of acting, but I still feel like you could give a little more. That's all. That's all. Let's get to the fighting. We get a big old fight scene. It's a pretty epic fight scene. Honestly, more than I was expecting. Yeah, same. I want to note that on IMDb, she is not even listed. None <laughs> of the humans as far as people are listed. <laughs> no. Uh, that that's seriously this is like just family friends or like his wife i guarantee you those were his kids it's gotta be right yeah yeah i just like did they did they remove her name from the picture or did she ask to be (laughs) (laughs) that's what i want to know that's hilarious um yeah she's uh i don't want to i don't want to dump on her too hard she was obviously not an actress I found, I found her part. pleasant. I found her pleasant. She was 100% an actress. Regional theater actress. Guaranteed. Oh, boy. Okay. I find her pleasant. Uh, yeah. Then you then you deserve all the blame you get. Uh, look, uh, they, they, they start using the force against each other. Like That's basically the best way I got it. There's a second. When, when, when Jedis and Sith fight, 
before they actually get to the lightsaber battles, they throw random shit at each other using the force. This is just known. This is how Jedi battles work. And that's all these people started doing, just yanking stuff off the wall with their magic powers and chucking it at each other. That's how the entire battle goes. And honestly, a good choice. This is a good choice. If you're going to have puppets fighting, it's really the best way to do it because it's slapstick, it's logical, and you don't have to get into the nuts and bolts of puppets actually fighting each other. Mm-hmm. I like this. I, li- I liked it conceptually. Yeah, it was fine. And it ended with pies. They dodged the pies because they could not afford to clean <laughs> those could puppets. Not. And you know could for not. goddamn sure they did not have extras. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Vandal ends up getting the crown. And then Milo gets the crown. So they sort of like working it back and forth, using their magic. They're trading the crown. And finally, Dr. Uh, Wallman says, y- y'all don't understand. I translated the pages as you guys were fighting, <laughs> which is already amazing. And she says, on All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, on Halloween, you can touch the crown. But the second that Halloween is over, if you touch the crown and you're of your race, you turn to stone. And he's like, oh, that explains all the statues in this room of all the people that I, all the people in our history who have all never came back again from the outside world. And so now it became a game of, uh, it's about to be midnight. Now, I'm no time chronologist, if you will, but when the, the, when it starts striking, that means it is midnight, right? I believe so. Not here, but that's what it's supposed to mean because the clock strikes, starts bonging, and they start throwing the crown back and forth like a game of hot potato. And yep. finally, apparently he just knows it's about to turn over. He throws it as the two villains are trying to escape out the window, hits one of them, thus affecting both of them. So our villains become horrifying statues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're we're meant to laugh about it. It was kind of upsetting yeah and isn't that because isn't this his brother like at some point they say uncle so-and-so so like he just murdered his brother like i get that he's a bad guy and stuff but i was thinking it was gonna end with him like in the dungeon (laughs) you've watched game of thrones game of thrones famously for children you've watched house of dragons house of the dragons dragon house (laughs) Uh, international house of dragons yeah yeah I had brother on brother violence is very common. Yeah. It felt a little, it felt like too much. It felt like and it, not only that, because of the low stakes, everything uh, that this show presents, he murders his brother by turning him and his son, his mm-hmm. nephew mm-hmm. into yeah. statues, thus killing them. Yeah. And then afterwards he's like, huh, pigeons going to poop on him now. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 And I'm like, you are not a good person. The trees and the sons of bitches that tried to kill him. But their dead bodies are now going to be in the museum, mm-hmm. which also, by the way, garden. At the end this this shot at the end where they show the statue in the garden is 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 probably the most expensive thing that went into this, other than the puppets <laughs> themselves. No, 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 no. Guaranteed, Paul Fusco saw the statue in a local library or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I'm going to write a story around that so they get a shot of that at the end because it doesn't look anything like. The puppets. Thank you. Yeah, that's that is true. The statue looks nothing like the puppets. But also whatsoever. now, so while we it's were terrible. while I was watching this in the right hand side in the suggested videos, there was a Paul Fusco puppets Thanksgiving one, and then Chan said there's like Valentine's Day Lord. and a bunch of other things. So I'm just so curious because honestly, if they're all this this same, if I enjoy them as much as I enjoyed this one, I'll be pretty happy. Wow. That's, oh, I guess, high you praise. Were, you were talking it up throughout more so than most things we watch, Chan. Don't lie. I Don't mean, I hate it less than some things that we've watched. <laughs> That's and the again, most anyone can hope from you. We've watched, we watched Ronald McDonald recently. So when <laughs> it gets that low, there's a period where I'm kind of like, well, it's not as bad as that thing that we just watched. <laughs> like a couple months from now, I'll be over that and back to like sort of an even keel but right now standards real low yeah this I mean, this is fine i mean you have to take it for what it's worth it's from the time period that it's from look you don't you don't get a ton of puppets in this life so when you get some you gotta love them i just there were there were a lot of tonal issues for me a lot of nonsensical storylines like the kid not wanting to be king and then changing his mind within the first two minutes of the show um, a lot of that stuff just sort of just hit me wrong 
but you know, it, it's fine. It is what it is. I don't think I would revisit it, but now knowing you two, I'll be revisiting every single one of these that they ever made at some point That's during season six and seven of this show. <laughs> God help us all. We've got some fun holiday and by fun, I mean, torturous and weird looking, but you know, when it comes yeah. to like the, the holiday stuff, the weirder for me, the better. Cause we've, we've done a lot of holiday shows at this point. Like so weird. to stand out, you're going to have to give me something weird. Yeah. That's fair. And to be fair. And if you, if you don't like the selections, know that Gina Ippolito chose, I believe everyone, everything will be watching through the end of the year. Is that correct? I, I found, a lot of them on lists uh i think yeah. chan might have picked a couple yeah we, we, okay. we split them up when you hear the gi joes that's me when you hear everything <laughs> else that's them so just pretty know much. this pretty much know this i mean that's that's a very accurate statement quite honestly <laughs> i had to fight to get gi joes in we only have two more episodes of extreme to watch and i had to fight to get those in before the end of the year look if they want us to watch them they should have written more gi joe extreme holiday episodes hey, for all we know the last two episodes are both christmas episodes. oh my god we i don't know so much they they're not I mean, it was kind of towards the end of the year so if you don't like halloween specials i got bad news for you <laughs> we're gonna be watching a lot of them for the next few weeks yeah. come back in a month or so yeah because it's halloween yep, all month here at knowing is half the podcast so, uh, final thoughts. The Crown of Bog. Gina loved it. Chan didn't like it. I enjoyed it. it. I said I, I got bored a little bit, but I enjoyed it. average on it. Yeah, it it felt exactly like what it was, which is a cheap-ass puppet show made in the 70s. Like, late, late 70s. And it is what it is. With, you know, Alf. Alf, not Alf. Yep. Yep. That's it. Well... There's our middling review of The Crown of Bog. <laughs> it's on YouTube. I say watch Gina it. rates it a 6.5. Chan a 5.0 and Ray a 4.5. Not so bad. Not so good. We're ambivalent. And we'll watch more. Is that fair? Oh, All yeah. that fair? Fair statements. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There, there's a Thanksgiving one that's already uh, been scheduled. Oh, God damn There is a Christmas one. There's a Valentine's one. Hell yeah. We'll go through them all. Hell yeah. We will. Let's do it. And the, the link to this has been put into the uh, Knowing is Half the Podcast a Twitter feed. It's currently pinned to the top. And I know this because I'm doing it as I speak right now. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Guys, plug something while I make this. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, I guess I'll plug, uh, uh, you know, cats who play with Don't toys. Out, just uh, Just looking around the room uh chess boards the kind that you like close them so that they have like the the pieces inside them so you can like take it around places uh and you were terrible at this blood pressure machines those are pretty good how are you how are you a podcaster i mean the at the, the my level of success i am i'm killing it you know what no that's a fair point you know what i'm not giving enough credit you are correct Anyway, that's our show. Listen to Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. You can find oh, it at right, VampireDetroit.com right. or wherever you podcast. Reclaimed Detroit. Listen to Ray's weird vampire thing. See, that could be a thing you said. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was shilling for you there. There you go. You got it. You know what? You know what? That's the most shilling I think you've ever done for me. So thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Gina, you got anything you want to plug? Any uh, any big things, projects, mm -hmm. NDAs you want to talk about? Nope. <laughs> Didn't think so, and I'm not going to press it any further. This is Knowing is Half the Podcast, and you can find us lots of places. You can find us at facebook.com slash knowing is half the podcast, where we're going to post links to this episode and tag the bog group. One of you guys has to tag the bog group. I have no idea. I would never be able to find it. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash knowing is half the podcast. Five bucks gets you access to like a 500 episode vault. You can come do more live shows with us. This ending is taking longer than the recording of the episode. Yeah, it really is. Well, I have to pad it. We're not, we're not to an hour 40 yet like we usually Ugh. have been lately, so I have to pad Get it. Get on with it. Uh, I'd like to uh, own a rep uh, Chuck Klosterman books. Uh, <laughs> also, Larry Gonick's The Cartoon History of series. Uh, which I picked up at... Uh, I'm going to plug uh, Mo Willems' uh, books. We've just gotten into them with my five-year-old, and they are delightful. Ooh, I'm right. about to log Mo off. Mo Willems, former um, Sesame Street writer. You Sesame get Street 10 writer. seconds to wrap this up, and I'm yanking my cord. <laughs> Is that... Wait a minute. Does that mean what I think it means? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. 
You can find us on Twitter at G.I. Joe Podcast. But individually, I am at Almighty Ray. At 999 RPMs. I'm at Gina Ippy. And seriously, Chan, check out these Mo Willems books. The pigeon books, they're excellent. The the pig and elephant books. Oh, you know I love Mo Willems. I didn't know that, but I, I didn't oh, know he God, existed until like two weeks ago. Honestly, I thought you said Mo Rocca. Oh, I think I, th- I thought like why is Mo why no. is, why is he reading Mo Rocca books? Mo, the the, the correspondent not... from Daily Show from like two thousand one. What what is he doing that's uh, appropriate for five year olds? Then I realized Good night, everybody. dear listeners do you enjoy playing video games with your best friends then i have the pod for you i'm philip host of the gaming together a cooperative podcast each week my co-host nave and i break down a cooperative experience in gaming and we are always looking for new co-op partners to join us so come play with us on the gaming together podcast so i'm standing over this toilet taking a piss and i'm playing my pokemon and i dropped it in the toilet i remember the game boy just tumbling in the water and I remember screaming for my mom, trying to get this Game Boy. Wait, how old are you? And she yelled at me. She yelled at me. Oh and I was my just, god! Like, traumatized. I was like, "No, my my Pokemon." That's gaming together, a cooperative podcast. Come on down, co-op partners.